Ostentations podcast episode 12, hosted by none other than Ross Lipschultz. I'm your host, and you can find me at, at R-O-S-S-E-L-6-4 on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere where you might find someone you want to make fun of. I am going to be taking you through, as I always have, a fantastic song from the 1999s, 2000s, and 2010s, aughts. I don't really know what it's called, and frankly, I don't really give a damn, uh, surely. So I, you might have recognized the violins. You might have recognized the song coming in that I played in the intro. However, those sweet beats are coming from none other than the beat doctor himself, Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre is one of the first reasons I got into hip-hop. He's one of the first albums I started listening to behind my mom's back with my brother, with uh, our good family friend and my brother's best friend, Matt Dubin. Uh, shout out to Matt. I'm sure he's not listening, but whatever. We were able to listen to that album back to front so many times. It was the only thing I wanted to listen to. And probably because it's one of the greatest albums ever. Forgot About Dre is on 2001, uh, Dr. Dre's classic 1990 album, 1999 album, ironically. But this is a single that came, was released in January 29, 2000. I know the timing is very weird on this. It was recorded in two, 1999. This song was released as a single in 2000. This album's called 2001. Apparently, they didn't have calendars at that time. It was Y2K. Who knows how they kept track of time. I'm surprised we're all still alive. And listen, for someone with a doctorate, he's not exactly the best person in math. Also, want to talk about that for a second. I think it's hilarious. Again, I've talked about it in previous episodes about when people pick their rap names. And Dr. Dre and Eminem, a classic duo in, in hip-hop, no doubt, and possibly one of my absolute favorite duos in hip-hop, even though they don't make like a group. But whenever they're together, the the contrast between their styles always comes out. And it's so interesting the way they chose both the names. Now, Dr. Dre, obviously, obviously, not a doctor of anything. Andre Young, Song, prolific producer, prolific uh, songwriter, not a doctor. And yet he gets a doctor, and everyone calls him a doctor. And I would imagine because of his success, he's probably named a doctor, been named a doctor in some honorary role uh, of a doctor of hip-hop, a doctor of music, something like that, at some point in time. And you might be asking yourself, why would he go by doctor? That is my question why anyone chooses any goddamn rap name. They never make any sense, and this is no exception. But even better than that is Doctor has a long history of people who aren't doctors calling themselves doctors. You Obviously, Dr. Dre. What is he a doctor? Hip-hop, rap, producing beats, collecting all of the money from Apple and his Beats by Dre headphones company. This guy is a absolute effing genius when it comes to making money. I have to say that. He's probably the most successful buy earnings hip-hop artist ever. I mean, I know 50 Cent made a ton of money from his uh, investment in vitamin water. I know Jay-Z has made a lot of money from his uh, Rock Nation empire, Diddy as well. Um, no doubt. I mean, obviously, there, there are other people who have made, but this guy, he could have a doctorate in getting fucking paper out of uh, hip-hop because, man, oh, man, Beats by Dre, that company dominates the dominates the culture of the world for hip-hop and the headphones are great no doubt i mean he he knows what he's looking for and that's where endorsing a product makes sense now does that make him a doctorate at it? no it doesn't 
Um, did that make Dr. J, Julius Irving, a doctor of basketball, a doctor of dunkology, a doctor of the sweet science of tickling the net? No. And tickling the net, not a Michael Jackson reference, although if you haven't seen Leaving Neverland, get on it. That is absolutely terrifying and one of the hardest things to watch. But my God, if you had any reverence for Michael Jackson as a person before, you won't after watching that. So uh, maybe that'll tell you if you actually will enjoy it. Um, but I would recommend it to everyone. It's four hours well worth spent. Although, hey, guess what? Four hours, way too long. Uh, I understand I will watch all of Game of Thrones, which is going to be a two-hour movie for six or seven straight weeks. But four hours for one thing? Give me a fucking break, okay? I don't want to watch it in one thing, especially one as depressing as kids talking about it, how they were molested by a celebrity for uh, hours and hours on end and months and weeks and years to the point where he was, they were traveling with him. Um, and this is a this is not a direction I, I expected to go after talking about Dr. J, who's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Not a doctor. You know who else isn't a doctor? Dr. Fish. Very specific reference. He studied geology. He was my science teacher for astronomy in uh, eighth grade. You didn't get a doctorate for being in geology. Fuck you. That's unacceptable. Dr. Strangelove, also a doctor, fictional character. You're not really a doctor. The only I think the only people who should forcibly become doctors, other than all the people who are incredibly smart and want to do it, is people whose last name is Doctor. So you can be Doctor Doctor. That would be interesting. It has nothing to do with Dr. Dre, just something I wanted to throw out there. And something that I thought needed to be said. Now, Doctor now on the flip side you have M and M, which his name, Marshall Mathers, M and M. I don't think that's what most people think of when they think of M&M. They probably think of the small candy and the red and yellow uh, peanut and classic M&Ms in reverse, respectively, order for some reason that I chose to do there. And, that, and those commercials and that kind of stuff. Or you think of the... But when you hear the words M&M, you probably, a lot of people probably don't even think of him as a hip-hop artist, but he's, one of the, he's probably the greatest Caucasian hip-hop artist ever. I mean, it's probably not even close. His skill and his lyrics are... It's funny because we don't want to qualify. A lot of times in society, people don't want to qualify. Oh, you're the greatest X or but you're the greatest for a girl or for an old person or for a white person or whatever it is. But I think that's probably his claim to fame is he's the greatest hip hop artist that's white. Uh, I don't think he's in the goat all time hip hop thing. But man, oh, man, he did, he brings the heat. And he actually wrote the vocals for for Dr. Dre on this album. And we'll and you'll hear a little bit of it when you really listen to it. It doesn't really sound like Dr. Dre's slower style of hip-hop it's really sped up it's got a lot of double entendres a lot of extra meaning in there uh he really goes into it and marshall Man- i mean this is these verses are what really took eminem into the mainstream um after after this and he comes out with the marshall mathers lp which is really what everyone knows is his like signature album and dr dre's a hit maker that could be where his doctorate's from hit making and i don't mean that in the sense of the Chris Brown style hit making, because uh, then he would just be the doctor of Rihanna, which actually Rihanna probably could have used the doctor at that point. So never mind. Maybe maybe it all would have worked out um, for her face. Anyway, all right, let's get into this song a little bit. I've gone on enough of these tangents. Oh, one thing I want to say, though, and sorry, this is semi unrelated, but talking about Dr. Dre getting all that paper from building his own empire got me thinking about a thing that happened this week with uh, what's her face? Kylie Jenner being named the first self-made billionaire and you're probably going to think that i'm going to take issue with the with her being defined as self-made which i'm not i'm not going to take issue with that 
because everyone's argument is that she's not self-made because she was built on the backs of the Kardashians. She was built on the backs of that empire, Chris, uh, Chris Jenner. Yeah, I was thinking Bruce and then Caitlyn and then realized they didn't have anything to do with their rise to fame. Um, I mean, it all really had to do with Ray J's penis. But frankly, she's still self-made. Like, that's like, if you say she's not self-made, that means anyone who's had some assistance from a family member to get to where they are isn't self-made. And to me, that's a really selfish way to look at it. Like, I think Dr. Dre is a, I would argue, is probably a self-made entrepreneur. He started on, I mean, any, any watching you know, straight out of Compton or listen to NWA's music. He started in Compton. He didn't start off wealthy and he built up an empire. And like I said, he's probably the wealthiest person in hip hop. Um, you know, Kanye may come for that crown someday or any of the people I named before as well. But he, he built up an empire. But that's not to say he didn't have help. He, he had tons of help getting together with NWA. Those guys built up that rap career and helped him get that notoriety in the scene. Um, and yeah, he pivoted out of, you know, being around in the hardcore hip hop genre and he became, I'm not going to say he became family friendly, became more aware and more of a businessman, but that didn't happen by accident. People helped him out. It may not have been his family specifically, but he wasn't made on his own. Just like no one's made on his own. I didn't get to this part of my life by myself. No one did. And so the people shitting on Kylie Jenner for being self-made, it's insane. You, who cares? If if she she's you notice how none of the other girls in that family are billionaires, she's not smart. Maybe she's smarter than. Maybe she worked harder. Who knows? But to discredit her makes no sense. So I'm actually taking umbrage with the people and not Professor Umbridge, although that probably could work in this scenario based on my love of Harry Potter and the fact that I considered the Kardashians the dark arts. I take umbrage with the fact that she that people hate are hating on her for so much. Guess what? She took the empire. She made money. Kim Kardashian, not a billionaire. Courtney, Chloe, Kendall, Chris, Rob, Nob, Scott Disick, Lord Disick, uh, French Montana, Lamar Odom, anyone in this sphere. None of them are billionaires, just Kylie. And to do so at her age is incredibly impressive. Um, so, you know, shout out to her. Anyway, we're going to get back to Dr. Dre because I feel like I've completely lost track of where I was at. Dr. Dre's Forgot About Dre featuring Eminem. Uh, the track reached number 25 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 14 on the U.S. R&B charts, and was the second single from the album 2001 after Still Dre, another classic song that I probably will do an episode about. And it's all Dr. Dre spitting at his critics and the people that hate him so much. This song won the best rap performance by a duo or group at the 2001 Ammy, or Grammys, Ammys. What the fuck is an Ammy? Is that an, I, I don't know, maybe that's awards for animated shorts? or um, awards for best ammunition, the Ammies. I have no idea. This is an, 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 an inauspicious start. But what's actually interesting is that uh, at the end of the year, it did chart as one of the U.S. Billboard 100's top songs of the whole year of any genre. So the fact that it never actually made it above number three on any chart and, event and then made it as a top 100 song for the whole year is pretty impressive. So let's play a little bit of it. I want you to listen to the lyrics here. It's very interesting with Eminem doing the writing for Dr. Dre after he spent seven years between his first album, The Chronic, and this 2001 
you know, this is he's coming out again. People are saying that he fell off and this is his retort to those people. So listen up and we'll talk about it in a second. Y'all know me, still the same OG, but I've been low key, hated on by most these niggas with no cheese, no deals and no G's, no wheels and no keys, no boats, no snowmobiles and no skis. Mad at me because I can finally afford to provide my family with groceries. Got a crib with a studio and a saw full of tracks to add to the wall full of plaques. Hanging up in the office and back of my house like trophies. Did y'all think I'ma let my toe freeze? Okay, hold up. So, like I said, all about the haters here. Dr. Dre talking about how he is, he has been not out of the game per se, but he's a perfectionist. He's been working on this album meticulously and everyone has used that time between the albums to talk about how he just, he, he doesn't have it anymore. He's gone. He's not coming back to make an album. Um, and that's just not true. I mean, he comes back with this, this uh, 2001 is a classic. It, this is a classic, classic album. I mean, I'll just name some of the songs off it. And if you don't know them, you don't know hip hop. Like you've got The Watcher, Still Dre, Explosive, What's the Difference, Forgot About Dre, The Next Episode, even P Housewife and Bang Bang are unbelievable songs. And he has a collection of artists on here featured, you know, Eminem obviously on this song, but Snoop's on here, Exhibit's on here, Mary J. Blige is on here. The, the list goes on and on. Aftermath is represented really strong and he's... It's a 22-track album, and it's unbelievable how how much is on here. And the critical reception it was when I mean, it was universally loved, and it ended up in the as the top of the 2000 of the year 2000. It was the top U.S. Billboard R&B hip hop album, the decade end charts in of the 2000s. It was U.S. Billboard's top R&B hip hop album of the whole decade of 2000 to 2009 top one that's i mean that's crazy and of all the albums that came out in the 2000s it ranked number 17 from billboard it shows you the critical acclaim i mean i could read through the accolades here of what people said about it but it it's overwhelmingly positive especially from sources that don't generally view hip-hop as like this in this glowing light and i i think that's that's just worth noting because all it took was a blank back black cover Dre taking a lot of G-Funk sound, um, a lot of Funkadelic things. He definitely used Parliament Funkadelic, some of that, and turns in the rap Funkadelic stuff in a lot of this music. And it's it's unbelievable. I know it's from Interscope Records, and he makes, obviously after this, he the label is Aftermath, and that's where you get Eminem and a lot of these people who build onto that. He does an unbelievable job in making this album shine. But it, it is about the haters, and this is... It's an anthem to telling haters to go fuck themselves. And it's truly couldn't be more today. All he's talking about is how people hate him. And they're the ones with no cheese, no deals, no G's, no wheels, no keys, no boats, no snowmobiles, and no skis. And yeah, I have no rhythm. But he's essentially saying the people that hate on you the most are the people with nothing. And that's 100% true nowadays. Think about any social media interaction you have. Like I even started the show with. place where you go to hate is because you can find that anonymity. You can be behind a screen. Couldn't be more relevant today. You could have released that that this opening verse right at that point and of today's society, and it would fit totally well in there. And yet he's saying that, listen, I've got I've got plenty of money, but I'm not going to stop there. I'm going to keep making more and more plaque worthy records. I'm going to be making more and more hot tracks, and you can go fuck yourself. Literally, ho, oh, please go fuck yourself, please. Like he. He's not going to sit around and wait for that stuff. And it's 
it's funny because it's not only is it so relevant to today, but imagine if you took seven years off from your job. I mean, most you can barely get seven days off from your job without getting a complaint from somebody. And he took seven years. And so he had to come up big. And that's what you get here. So let's let's hear a little bit more of it. I just wanted to stop it there in the middle because that, I think, is an important verse right there. You better bow down on both knees. Who you think taught you to smoke trees? Who you think brought you to ODs? Easy E's, Ice Cubes, and DOCs. The Snoop D-O-Double-G's. And the group that said, motherfuck the police. Gave you a tape full of dope beats to bump when you stroll through in your hood. And when your album sales wasn't doing too good, who's the doctor they told you to go see? Y'all better listen up closely. All you niggas that said that I turned pop or the fur flop. Y'all are the reason that Dre ain't been getting no sleep. So fuck y'all, all of y'all. If y'all don't like me, blow me. Y'all are gonna keep fucking around with me and turn me back to the old me. Nowadays, everybody wanna talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish and motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. Nowadays, everybody wanna talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just Okay, hold up. So you hear in that the the end of Dre's verse, a lot of the same stuff about he's the one who brought brings out the oldies. He's the one who's brought made the made the amazing beats that you've heard so much of. And then comes Eminem. Eminem will always be remembered as probably Dr. Dre's. There's infinite stories about how Dr. Dre discovered Eminem, what a big gamble it was taking a white guy from Detroit and making him the star of this new label, one of the stars of this new label. Obviously, he had other people on it um, himself, Snoop, etc. But he essentially turned, he put his faith behind Eminem, and this song really catapulted in the top. And the first you hear from uh, Eminem is how much he loves Dr. Dre. And I know there's, there's, song, there's a song he has way more recently uh, called I Need a Doctor, where he talks about his love for Dr. Dre and bringing him back to life. And they've talked about him having a detox album that never came out. And by the way, I remember asking for the detox album, thinking it was going to come out in like, I don't know, 2004 or something for like a holiday. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to put out a new album. It's exciting. It still hasn't come out, okay? Dr. Dre made two goddamn LPs and he had the uh, soundtrack for Straight Outta Compton. And that's fucking it. Uh, the fact that he's so successful off of two albums goes to show he's even more of a success than you even could possibly think he is. He didn't even need to just put out countless albums. He knew he could do it all behind the scenes and become like, I mean, he's, pro I don't know, his his net worth has got to be insane. I, let's see. I'm going to look for it right now while we're sit here because I'm interested. What's his net worth? Dr. Dre's net worth is $850 million. That is insane. I mean, as according to Wealthy Gorilla, that's that's not a great. OK, I'm not I'm not thrilled that that was the source that comes up at first. According to this, he's the third most he's the third wealthiest rapper. So behind Diddy and behind Jay-Z, but not by a lot. And it, I guess it depends on the source. This is from Forbes. I'm going to take Forbes at its word over Wealthy Gorilla. Also, when you're naming a website, how do you pick Wealthy Gorilla? That's you want to be reputable when you're talking about people's net worth and their value. Choosing Gorilla doesn't exactly do that. I don't know. Well, even Wealth.net would probably be better than WealthyGorilla.com, which it's uh, why just just it's like don't call your something self something so stupid. People don't want to go into a place called WealthyGorilla.com.
it's like if there's a, uh, you know what, I don't want to get into Robert Kraft jokes, but I was going to make, I was going to say something about how I'm sure that the uh, Tropics of Paradise, where the fuck he went, has a sign on the outside that says, please come again. Like, it, those kind of things, like, that's a joke. Wealthy Gorilla is not a joke. You have to, if you're going to use some sort of pun or some sort of creative naming, I, I know I'm obsessed with names, but that's your brand. Why the fuck would you choose that? I know I've, I spent, I talked about Dr. Dre and Eminem on their names before. It's like they've never heard, Eminem had never heard of the candy prior to letting that be his rap name. But okay, whatever. Like, that's fine. Uh, maybe 8 Mile tells us a better story of that and B-Rabbit can clear this up for us. But um, anyway, Eminem comes on on the hook. And I remember when I learned this song, I, I mean, I can still say every single word of this song without looking at the lyrics without looking at anything. And uh, because I remember just singing it all the time with my friends and I realized it was, I didn't really think about the lyrics. I just knew the words, if you know what I mean. Like you don't really know what you're saying. It's kind of like when you read and you're reading each of the words, but you're not really thinking about what it's all saying. He's just saying that exactly what Dr. Dre saying is like, everyone thinks that he goes, that you just run your mouth, you run your mouth, you talk shit. And now you're going to get clapped because they're going to come back with you in hip hop form. And I always respect people who ha are able to rap with a lot of speed. Eminem does this. He doesn't do it anymore. He has this weird, like, something, 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 something style that I Chris D'Elia made fun of a, uh, in a classic video. I would definitely recommend checking out on YouTube. But all these times that he do these ciphers where he tells Donald Trump to go fuck himself. He's just so over the hill. But this is vintage. I mean, at the beginning of his career, he made his bones on this these quick bars, this hard-hitting style. And people like him, Busta Rhymes, Twista, it's so impressive when you can hit all those words so fast. And then you realize that he wrote Dr. Dre's verse. And if you think about the way Dr. Dre usually raps, this is so different where he's coming quick. He's hitting the double entendres. He's hitting a lot of messages that we'll hear in here. And I want to say one thing about this song. This is the favorite karaoke song of one of my good friends and former... Uh, podcast, the host of our former podcast, Jihan Batuman's favorite karaoke songs. And he knows every single word of this. You don't even need the karaoke machine on for him to nail it. That's how impressive he is with this song. And that is the bar I'd like to have for people doing karaoke. I don't find it amusing for people to just read a bored word for word like they're watching a VH1 bouncing ball video. That's not impressive and that's not fun. And I realize a lot of people do enjoy that because like, oh, everyone's being silly, picking a song. That's not enjoyable. It's like if we go to a bowling alley and you suck at bowling or I suck. I'm not very good at bowling. I, I acknowledge that. You know, my scores are typically around 100. Like, I'm not good at it. But I don't put up the bumpers. If we go to a bowling alley and we put up the bumpers for you, I'm not congratulating you on shit that you've done. This is what karaoke is. Karaoke is bowling with bumpers. It's, I can't think of something with an equal handicap. It's bowling with bumpers. You are essentially saying, I am not good enough to sing this song or to put myself out there without knowing it. Everyone has songs that they know. Everyone has music that they know and can sing. Now, if you can't do it, that's fine. Someone else will get up there and do it. And what's funny is when people do karaoke, they often choose songs when that is the case. And that is fine. I don't care if the only people who do karaoke are fabulously talented singers who just decided not to go prof professional or professional singers. I don't care. That's more enjoyable. If you're just going up there reading off a screen, congratulations, you're literate. Get the fuck out of this bar. The fact that this is such a popular activity amongst people of my ilk 
and of my demographic age range, white people, whatever you want to call it, is alarming at best. I don't want to spend money to hear people sing poorly. I don't go to Staples Center to watch peewee basketball. That's not how it works. If I want to hear people sing poorly, I can literally open up YouTube and type in anything, anything, and it will happen. If So if you're asking me to pay money, the people singing better be pretty good. And you're probably wondering, well, Ross, isn't that contradictory because you're hosting a podcast where you're talking about hip hop music and you are not a professional hip hop historian? That's a fair point I just made against myself. You probably should stop listening now. But considering every single week we are growing, the the audience is growing. People are coming and listening to this show, and I, you know, I'm pretty proud of it. I, I'm I'm thoroughly pleased at the numbers we've been seeing because we're starting to get more and more uh, listeners. I mean, it's I'm pretty thrilled about it. Um, we're getting more people tuning in, more people listening to the show, more devices, more everything. And I really appreciate everyone listening to it. But um, yeah, I'm not, listen, there's no, but the, the reason I would differentiate what I do in podcasting from karaoke, which is a bullshit trade, is because there's no background. Like I'm not, I'm talking all off the cuff. I don't have a script. This is a clear script. You should just read the board and get the fuck off my stage. I don't need you to do that. Anyway, I don't want to get it. I want to talk about Eminem's verse. So I'm going to play this for you. Um, it's fantastic. I, I love this verse. And it's classic Eminem. So let, let's play that and we'll get into it right now. What do you say to somebody you hate? What? Or anyone trying to bring trouble your way? One of his off things in the blood of your way? Yeah. Just starting your tape of NWA. One day I was walking by with a walkman on. When I caught a guy, give me an awkward eye. You look strangled him up in the parking lot. But it's dark or not. I don't give a fuck if it's dark or not. I'm harder than me trying to park a dodge. But I'm drunk as fuck. Right next to a humongous truck in a two-car garage. Hopping out with two broken legs trying to walk it off. Fuck you too, bitch. Call the cops. Kill you and I'm loud ass motherfucking barking dogs. And when the cops came through, me and Dre stood next to a burnt down house with a can full of gas and a handful of matches. And still weren't found out. Right here, so from here on out, it's the chronic too. Starting the day and tomorrow's a new. And I'm still local enough to chunk you to death with a Charleston tooth. Slim shady, hotter than a set of twin babies. And the Mercedes Benz with the windows up when the tip goes up to the mid 80s. Calling men ladies. Sorry, Doc, but I've been crazy. There's no way that you can save me. It's okay, go with him, Haley. Hold up. So clearly this song has not aged well because the references he makes in this song are, uh, or in this verse, you've got, he's walking around with a Walkman on. No one uses Walkmans anymore. No one's used Walkmans in, well, 20 years since this song came out. Uh, and he strangles a guy in the parking lot with his Carl Kanai. I don't even know what Carl Kanai was, but apparently it's a fashion staple from the early 90s endorsed by Tupac. It's got your typical oversized clothing uh, that you would expect from 90s hip-hop. I don't know it was a thing. I also didn't know it was a thing you could strangle people with. Speaking of things I didn't know you could strangle people with, later in the verse he comes up with Charleston shoes, which I don't think they sell traditionally anymore, but also I'm pretty sure... Uh, you can't strangle someone with someone with it, and I'm also sure it goes in the list of candies your grandmother has with Werther's Originals and Malamars and things of that nature. So this whole song is so reminiscent of the era; it's pretty great, and I think it's even overwhelmingly noted that the the verse is essentially you know just Eminem rapping into the camera, talking like 
uh, you'd expect a hip-hop artist just looking straight in the camera. And then it cuts off in the middle. In the, in the music video, it actually cuts off a, a portion of uh, Eminem's verse where it goes, I don't give a fuck if it's dark or not. And it cuts it out to, I'm going to kill you and them loud-ass motherfucking barking dogs. And ironically, it's a they cut it off with a thing of uh, Eminem driving home drunk with Dr. Dre in the car um, and an old woman with her little dog coming out and complaining at them, yelling them, oh, good, oh, you're ruining the neighborhood, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then all of a sudden it cuts to a news story where they are interviewing Eminem about literally arson happening, um, happening behind him. And he's saying, all I know is I was upstairs watching, listening to my Will Smith CD. And then all of a sudden I hear all this noise and see the fire and it's crazy. Detroit, what? And first off, if you didn't know, and it wasn't clear from everything little, uh, everything that Eminem does, he's from Detroit. Shocking. He never, ever talks about that. So, so interesting that he would say that there. And then, I mean, the song goes into, and when the cops came through, me and Dre stood next to a burnt down house with a can full of gas and a handful of matches and still weren't found out right here. <laughs> He's essentially bragging about not getting taught for arson, which, you know, not a big deal. But it's funny because you've got someone calling the police on people who are actually committing a crime. I know I saw a video the other day of someone calling the police on a African-American dog owner whose dog was go humping someone's leg or their dog or something like that. And uh, they decide to call the cops on them. And it's, it is so sad that that is still one, not punishable by any means because calling the cops on something as bullshit as that. But two, from this video, they, they were telling it, you know, I'm gonna kill you and them loud ass motherfucking barking dogs. If only you could threaten people like you used to be able to threaten people before you could put, before this, even long before this, you could put a horse in someone's head and there was no no crime. was There was no police coming for that. Now your dog can't even try to have sex with another dog without you being tr attempted to be thrown in prison. That's not to say we should throw people in prison just willy nilly for threatening people. I think, you know, let little threats go. You know, sometimes some people need a little, get a little of that. That was me. I realized you that noise isn't doesn't really translate that was me doing the hitting the back of my hand against my other palm like a, you know, you give a little, little, little backhand you know sometimes we need to do that but i realize this isn't a video podcast so that's not super representative but yeah and you know this this is also one of the first times that eminem decides to mention Haley, his daughter who's mentioned in pretty much all of his songs uh he really loved that little girl and you know you watch eight mile that's his whole life i Respect the hell out of Eminem for always talking about his girl and always raising her well. And I think one thing we don't talk about and another thing we talked about with Kanye in a previous episode is some of these rappers can be very good dads. I don't think people talk about it that much. I think people think, oh, they're always cheating on their wives. They're doing this, that, and the other. There are there are a lot of hip-hop artists who are very good dads, like to the letter. Yes, they may not be good husbands, which I'm not arguing against. Not arguing against at all. But dads? Solid dads. I, you know what? I, I want to give some people credit. He's clearly, he, he, you know. Now, again, bad dad, Michael Jackson. Terrible father. That was mentioned before. Eminem, good dad. It's what I'm taking away from this song. He he learned a lot um, from, I guess, just listening to a tape of NWA and resolving things in a bloodier way. Okay, so I'm not going to play the final verse here because Dr. Dre really is just talking the same stuff he's talking about before. Now that 
you know, he does a lot of the, he talks about, it was up to me, you motherfuckers would stop coming up to me with your hands out looking up to me like you want something free. When my last CD was out, you weren't bumping me. You know, he's talking about how people are still mad that he was away, and yet he's the one who molded this generation of hip-hop. He's the one who's producing the beats. He's the one who's putting it all together, and people still want to hate while he's trying to get his label off the ground. It's a lot of the same. I'm not going to get people into it. I know I'm well. I'm actually going fairly long on this episode, so I, I won't get into that. But what I do want to say about Dre and Eminem is that duos, I think, are the best way for rap to have it. Now, there's the J. Cole brag of, oh, platinum, no features, which, you know what, you want to brag about that, that's fine. I think Dr. Dre will happily take the six-time certified platinum uh, as of August 2015. I believe he's seven times platinum on this album since then. Um, He'll happily take it with all these features. And I think, for me, the reason I like that is because you get a mesh of different styles. This song is especially that way where you have Eminem writing for Dre, but Dre delivering and still that hard, that passionate gangster rap style, and then Eminem coming in the with the quick words, the quick jabs at it. Um, I, I can't snap. Apparently, if you didn't hear that, I have no, I have no rhythm. I'm the person who always claps off beat when we do our fight song at Northwestern. So, um, yeah, I think that's. It's a very interesting sound. I think you've probably noticed a lot of the songs that I've done have actually been songs featuring other rappers, um, mostly because I think a good combination of hip hop artists can make for such a better song because it's you're hearing multiple styles, you're hearing multiple uh, tastes in delivery. It's I think it's a little bit more impressive to mess the, mesh those together and then just have you talk for all four or five minutes of your song about the same thing. Now, Dr. Dre's verse at the end of the song doesn't really add a lot lyrically, but he the way he delivers it is Eminem's lyrics. And so while he may not be doing, well, maybe Eminem that we should give the credit for, but the triple entendre with the saying up to me is amazing. There's another double entendre about getting the damn label off the ground. And also that he was strapped with gats while, fu- while cuddling a cabbage patch. I think you know, we don't talk nearly enough that Dr. Dre is trying to threaten you with guns while you were in a, I assume, crib. You know, if there's one thing we learned about this from this song is that the world was full of threatening people in the early 2000s. I think we should have known that as soon as Willennium came out. However, you know, it took a little while. It takes a little while to sink in. So if there is... You know, if you're going to travel back in time, maybe they don't go to this era. Seems pretty aggressive. In the NBA, they always talk about, this is the toughest era. This is when all the hard hitters played. Okay, so maybe avoid it. You know, we don't want to get punched in the face. Um, now we now we just use weapons to do a lot of that. Although, I guess he was still strapped with cats while you were cutting a cabbage patch. You know, I guess people have always had a lot of guns. Ooh, political ending. Interesting. All right, well... I think that's a good enough place to end. I've definitely gone off the rails quite a bit here. So I'm going to play you a little bit of the end of this song. And uh, maybe you won't won't forget about Dre this time. Good night, everybody. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. And motherfuckers act like they forgot about Dre. Nowadays, everybody want to talk like they got something to say. But nothing comes 